Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. How's it going, guys? It's going good. It got hot again here. Same here. Yeah. I'm hopping a plane uh on thursday with a three and a half year old because i feel like that's a smart idea to do by myself yeah and we're going to houston where it's going to be a hundred and three holy crap like feels just like christmas like real temperature yeah feels just like christmas <laughs> just oh, like you're gonna be there um we fly back on monday morning well fun that's a nice little trip yeah does ellie like flying the whole time just me and ellie just you and Ellie. Yep. Does she like Can flying? She hasn't flown since she was about a year and a half, so we'll see. All right. She must be excited. She was. She told me today, she tonight, when I was putting her down to bed, that she was really nervous. So we talked all about flying and what it entails, and she was went from being nervous to being okay. Oh, so so basically, I have to call you the next time I fly because I'm a very nervous flyer. <laughs> I'm hitting that. I'm hitting that Xanax and like mini bar like hard. I'm <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't mind flying at all. It just doesn't bother me. So guys, I realized something when listening to our anniversary special. We're what? awesome. We <laughs> gave the wrong top ten list. What? Well, 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 because so we gave the correct one but then we made the motion to move mickey's christmas carol off the list which shifted everything up a little bit uh, yeah oh, i noticed that. right we did yeah. you were absolutely right well i think we should run through the top 10 real quick and tom you will be very happy that a certain movie has made it into the top 10 <laughs> so number Enjoy 10 well number t- tied for number 10 tlc's the secret santa and joyous noel woohoo Number nine, Home Alone. Number eight, Shazam. Number seven, A Muppet Family Christmas. Number six, Miracle on 34th Street, 1994's version. Number five, The Muppet Christmas Carol and Mrs. Santa Claus. Number four, Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. Number three, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number two, The Santa Claus. And number one, Elf. That's solid. That's a good list. That's a good I'm list right there. Happier with that list than I was when Mickey was on it. Oh, well, there you go. And the TV list is the same, except now Mickey's Christmas Carol is number one instead of the Got Grinch. It. Oh, oh okay. wow, that's that's interesting. Uh, we did while we're talking about these. I'm gonna go in and share. We did get one other person who corrected what our top ten list should look like. Did y'all see that on Reddit? 
No. So we got a listener, Jerry Davila, wrote in with his top 10. And his is 10 is the Christmas Chronicles and Grinch tie. Number nine is the Santa Claus. Number eight is Elf. Number seven is Santa Claus the movie. Six is White Christmas. Five is Muppet's Christmas Carol. Four is the original Miracle on 34th Street. Three is Home Alone. Two is Scrooge. One is Christmas Vacation. There's some overlap well, we there. Said, yeah, we said our, our list was, was going to get shaken up a bit. Right. By the end of the year. So. But then he started speaking some heresy about uh, Die Hard not being a Christmas movie. And I just have to bring back the point that we have emphatically said it is, as has Can't Wait for Christmas. Tim Bab, his listeners all voted and said it was a Christmas movie. So <laughs> it is a Christmas movie. Who cares what Bruce Willis and the rest of you think? <laughs> Seriously, Jerry, we love you. Although the fact that Santa Claus is an elf are so low on that list, questionable to me. <laughs> uh, the Santa Claus is right there with Christmas Chronicles. I'm sure you love to see that. <sighs> well, you know what? That does have one thing in common with one another. And in both movies, Santa is self-conscious about his weight. So True. I do have one more thing to mention. So because so many people brought up the Santa Slay episode for our anniversary special, I went back and listened to that one. The three of us were abnormally still being nice to one another that early on. And not only that, but Tom said, and I'm paraphrasing here, Anthony, after the music in this movie, I will never have a bad thing to say about Christmas and Hollis again. And I thought to myself, listening to that, liar. (laughs) Tom says a lot of things, (laughs) y'all. Oh, boy. So, so what's this, tonight, y'all? This week we're covering 2015's dramedy film, Love the Coopers. So quick plot synopsis for those of you who may not have seen it. For their annual Christmas Eve celebration, Sam Cooper and his wife Charlotte welcome four generations of extended family, including son Hank, daughter Eleanor, and Charlotte's father Bucky. Sam and Charlotte are separating after four years of marriage while Hank is in the middle of a divorce. As the guests reveal their respective problems, they also rediscover the importance of kinship and the spirit of the holiday. So this movie, we'll get into what we thought about it in a minute, but whatever we thought about, this movie actually has quite the cast. Like, it really does. It, really quite, it is amazing. So uh, in voice only, we have Steve Martin, who we've covered before on the show. So I won't run through his filmography again, but remind me again, what's your favorite Steve Martin? Father of the Bride. Me too. Uh, I don't know. It changes. I can go with Father of the Bride today. It's that or Three Amigos. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Three Amigos. We have... Oh, and Roxy is so good too. Oh, it's hard to pick. I love Steve Martin. <laughs> Steve Martin is awesome. Even though his favorite movie is Black Christmas, which we discussed. We did. <laughs> Playing Charlotte Cooper, the matriarch of the <laughs> Cooper family, is Diane Keaton, who has been in a trillion things. Um, the Family Stone, Father of the Bride, Father of the Bride 2, The First Wives Club. She did Voice of Morning Glory. She was in Love and Death. Annie Hall played again, Sam, The Godfather movies. What's your favorite Diane Keaton movie? Father of the Bride. Yeah, <laughs> I would <honestly laughs> probably say the same thing. It's a tie for me between Baby Boom and The Family Stone. I don't know what that means. Baby Boom? You never seen Baby Boom? I've never seen Baby Boom. 
It is a glorious 80s movie. And so she is an, she's married to Egon for one. Okay. Or they're living together in the big city. And she's a super high powered exec at this marketing firm. And she inadvertently gets a baby pushed on her, this adorable baby that she ends up adopting and she leaves her high powered marketing exec job and she moves to upstate New York uh, in an old house that's beautiful on an apple orchard and it's all about a city girl in the country, okay? And then there's a love story in there because the 80s and then it's kind of like her whole journey becoming a mom. And it, it is- It sounds like so, such an 80s movie, but it sounds, it sounds like, like an 80s movie. Is, it is and it's awesome. I love it. It's such a good movie. Baby Boom. I'll have to watch Baby it. Baby Boom. It's great. So 80s. So playing Charlotte's husband, Sam Cooper is John Goodman, who ha- who is probably best known for as playing Dan Connor on the TV show Roseanne. But he's also in Raising Arizona, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, he did a voice in the Emperor's New Groove. And he played did the voice of Sully in Monsters Inc. Uh, he was in the Flintstones, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Coyote Ugly, Argo, Flight, blah 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 blah. He's been in a lot of stuff. He uh, he also voiced Frosty the Snowman a few times in animation and played Santa Claus in the live action remake of The Year Without a Santa Claus. Do you guys have a favorite John Goodman? I like his voice work. Big Lebowski. Sully. Oh. Sully's my favorite. Yeah. It's going to have to be between Sully and Big, and Big Lebowski. He was awesome in the Big Lebowski. And Although he I was honestly, pretty good in One Night at McCool's too. I honestly thought he, I mean, he was always my favorite character on Roseanne back in the day. Uh, you know, he also played Santa Claus another time, right? When he was the voice of Robot Santa on Futurama. Oh, <laughs> Robot Santa. Mm-hmm. And a- as crappy as the movie was, he would have made a very good Fred Flintstone. With a oh my head. gosh, don't even get me started on that. No, 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 no. I I just said the movie was crappy. I think he. Oh, I, I agree. Perfect Fred Flintstone, though playing charlotte's mother in this film did you realize i gotta point this out oh i was looking at when i was looking into this movie i did not realize diane keaton is six years his senior that was very very surprising to me that is surprising i mean he looks very sickly nowadays he's looked sickly for a while i feel well i think that's what happens when you're really heavy and you lose weight in your old age when your skin has lost collagen yeah it's true well, plus he had did have a bunch of health problems too. But I love, I do love John Goodman. He's a really talented actor. Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like he really is like a teddy bear in a lot of roles. Mm-hmm. Not in Cloverfield. No, not. <laughs> not in Cloverfield. Playing Charlotte's father in this film is Alan Arkin. Another actor has been in a million things. He's in The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming, Wait Until Dark, The Heart is Lonely, Poppy, Catch-22, The In-Laws, Edward Scissorhands, Rocketeer, Glengarry Glen Ross, 
13 conversations about one thing, Little Miss Sunshine, Get Smart, Sunshine Cleaning, Argo, The Santa Claus 3. Not our first appearance on this show. Noel. Is he a Noel? He is. Coming the, no, the old, like, I think it was made for TV movie, 2004. The animated one? No. Starring Susan oh. Sarandon and Penelope Cruz and Paul Walker. That sounds like a real treat. Uh, <laughs> who's your who's your what's your favorite Alan Arkin film? I, I don't love- know that I can come up with it. He was pretty amazing in this, but then again, Little Miss Sunshine was just unbelievable. Uh, he mm-hmm. was great in Jacob the Liar. Um, yeah, I would say Rocketeer or Little Miss Sunshine. Rocketeer. Oh, mm-hmm. that movie was amazing. Yes, it is. When I was a kid, that movie and inspired me i uh i love to when i was at the swimming pool i go all the way to the bottom and wait and then like shoot up that way i came out and i felt like i was flying like the rocketeer yes <laughs> that's awesome loved that movie as a kid of course edward scissorhands yeah he's not great in that movie though no he's a he's a, he's not a good man but he does it well what was your favorite alan arkin anthony little bit of sunshine little bit of sunshine it's one of my favorite movies of all time mine too I think that's the first movie too, like the first like drama film. I realized wow, Steve Carell can do a lot more than just comedy. Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of comedy actors who go on, like Steve Carell has a pretty has had a pretty illustrious career since The Office. Mm-hmm. Speaking of The Office, Ed Helms plays Charlotte and Sam's son, Hank Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's a nerding problem. <laughs> and that was just he, weird. That was really... Re- okay, I won't get... No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> he is best known probably for Andy Bernard in The Office. Uh, he was a correspondent of The Daily Show. He was in The Hangover Trilogy. He did the voice of the Onceler in The Lorax and Captain Underpants in the Captain Underpants movie. Uh, and he also played uh, Russ in the newest Vacation movie. Grown up Russ. He was also in Drunk History. Who did he play? He was William McMasters. Who, what's your favorite Ed Helms? Probably Andy. I'm not passionate about Ed Helms. Only some Andy, not all Andy. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't even like all Andy. Which Andy did you like? I liked early Andy. I liked early Andy. Your management Andy? That's the Andy I like. Yes. Punch the wall. Mm-hmm. I liked Andy. I liked Andy, Angela, Andy. Yeah. Oh, pathetic cuckolded Andy. Yes, that's the Andy I like. I don't like jerk face Andy at the end. No, I never liked Andy in the end either. Uh-uh. And I thought I didn't like anything to do with Aaron. I was just weird. I wanted to like Aaron. I mean, Aaron and Andy, because I liked Aaron. We have another office alumni who was into Aaron. That we'll get to in a minute. But first, uh, Midrisa Tomei is in this movie, and she plays Emma, Charlotte's accidental sister, as she calls it. A role that was originally supposed to go to Annette Benning, which would have made more <laughs> sense age-wise, I think. But uh, yeah, that would have made more sense. A lot more sense. Scheduling didn't work out, so I guess they just changed it so she was an accident. <laughs> um, Annette Benning would have been a way different feel. Yes. She's a lot more biting than Marissa Tomei is. Yes. But I do love Marissa Tomei. 
And she has been in a million movies as well. All of these people have been in a million movies. Uh, she was in My Cousin Vinny, In the Bedroom, The Wrestler, What Women Want, Anger Management, Wild Hogs, Parental Guidance, Untamed Heart, Only You, Sons of Beverly Hills, The Paper, blah, 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 The Big Short. What's your favorite, Larissa Tomei? Acting-wise, My Cousin Vinny, overall, Only You, which also has Iron Man in it, by the way. Great movie. Early 90s. I'm going to agree with my cousin Vinny. I love that movie. She's a boss in that movie. She won the award for that movie. I'm going to go with that. She deserved an award for that movie. She did. But you don't often see somebody win for a comedy film. Mm -mm. No. So. Uh, Amanda Seyfried plays Ruby, a waitress who Alan Arkin's character is, uh, I don't want to say into, but very... uh, friendly very odd (laughs) uh and she's been in mean girls nine lives alpha dog veronica mars mama mia mama mia here we go again big love jennifer's body dear john les miserables no she wasn't yeah she was she was in les mis yep a million ways to die in the west ted two red riding hood letters to juliet she was most recently in The Art of Racing in the Rain. Do you guys have a favorite Amanda Seyfried? Mean Girls. Me too. Yeah. I love her in Mean Girls. That's, uh, that's Christine's go-to sick movie when she doesn't feel well. She wants to cuddle up and watch Mean Girls. Aww. It's a great one for that. Uh, I also really do like her. I mean, her part's a lot smaller in Veronica Mars. I've just started uh, Veronica Mars. Oh, such a good show. The new. Like the show's really did good. We just reboot it. I'm not watching the reboot. They Wait. they did they did like a sequel to it. It wasn't okay. a, like it's a continuation. Okay. Okay. Where she's where she's an adult or what? Yeah. Kristen yeah. Bell an adult in the okay. I haven't made it there. I'm still when Kristen Bell's in high school. Okay. Yeah. They the continuation only just came out last year, a year two ago, like very recently. I've got a few seasons before I get caught up. Olivia Wilde plays Eleanor Cooper, Sam and Charlotte's daughter. Uh, and she's probably best known for playing 13 on the TV show House, a role in which I loved her. Uh, but she was in Conversations with Other Women, Alpha Dog, Tron Legacy, Cowboys and Aliens, Incredible Burt Wonderstone. I don't really like much of her film work, but I loved her in House. Yeah, I loved House. House was great. I haven't watched House, so... That show had some good Christmas episodes. Yeah, that might have to make my list. I did like her in Portlandia as Brett. (laughs) (laughs) Jake Lacey plays Joe, military vet who hits it off with Olivia Wilde's character, and he's probably best known for playing Pete, a.k.a. Plop, on The Office. Um, And that (laughs) was... And that was really the biggest role, so I'm not even going to go through his filmography. I actually liked him on The Office. Him and I Dwight too. Mm-hmm. He's, in, he's in that new show on Netflix, Otherhood. I've seen him advertised. I haven't watched it. I saw him advertised. And he's also in the Christmas Inheritance Netflix movie. He's the star. Oh. Well, what's funny is him and Dwight Jr. have now both appeared in a Christmas movie on our list, and neither are the biggest actors so it's just really funny they've both made our list already. He, yeah, he, he was also on that TV show, I Could Not Stand Girls. 
Oh, I hated that show. The only character I liked was uh, Adam Driver at the beginning. And then he... He was such a weirdo on that show. (laughs) Like, and that's what I really knew him from before when he was cast as Kylo Ren. I was like, this guy. This guy. I can't believe women are into him after watching him in Girls. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Anyway. uh, June Squibb plays Sam's Aunt Fishy. I love June Squibb, guys. I think she... (laughs) she's one of these older actresses who's been in a few things who's like has bit parts in a lot of things she's in son of a women son of a woman sorry the age of innocence about schmidt um nebraska sheldon's grandma grandma sorry that's it she did a voice in toy story 4 she was in ralph breaks the internet uh, Finally saw that movie. <laughs> the princess and part is the best part, isn't it? The princess part the is the best, best part. Oh, look, a big, strong man in need of rescuing. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. played Michael's mom, too, on The Office. Oh, yeah, oh. she did do the Michael's mom, who I was upset we never saw in person. Right? <sighs> um, she was on Two and a Half Men, Curb Your Enthusiasm, House, uh, she had a lot of guest stars on TV. The Christmas movie movies. last year, Santa's Boots. Santa's Boots. Well, Santa's Boots. <laughs> oh, Ralph Breaks the Internet was awesome. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Alex Borstein plays Angie, Ed Helms's ex-wife. Uh, she's best known for voicing Lois Griffin on Family Guy. She's on Mad TV. Uh, she's in The Marvelous Miss Maisel, an amazing, hilarious show. She was in the Lizzie McGuire movie, Catwoman, Dinner for Schmucks, A Million Ways to Die in the West, Paranorman. I'm guessing, Tom, your favorite is Lois Griffin. Yeah, but she played two parts on Gilmore Girls, too. Mm-hmm. Well, she That's was originally cast as Sookie on Gilmore Girls. Was she really? Well, I'm she glad was. I, I don't like that at all. Uh-uh. There's um, only one Sookie, and it's, it's my girl. My favorite Alex Borstein is, though, is the Marvelous Miss Maisel. Mine is Bitter Woman on stage when she was on Friends. Why don't you like me? <laughs> that was her? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Chandler gets roped into going to that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> no, I like her. Um, Anthony Mackie plays Officer Percy Williams. Best known for playing the Falcon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but he was also in the Hurt Locker Eight Mile. Didn't we cover him recently in something? What movie was he in recently? I feel like we've talked about him for sure. Uh, Endgame. Besides, we talked about Endgame. I don't think so. I don't think we talked about him. Timothy Chalamet plays Sam and Charlotte's oldest grandson, Charlie. He was in Lady Bird, Interstellar. Homeland, Men, Women, and Children, The King, Beautiful Boy. And playing his love interest is Molly Gordon, uh, who is in Animal Kingdom, Life of the Party, Booksmart, and Good Boys. So pretty big cast, pretty talented cast. Yeah. So let's get into our histories and overall thoughts on this film. And I'll just go first. I saw this in theaters in 2015 uh, with Sarah. And 
I remember the trailers for this film and I was like, oh, that looks really good. Look at this amazing cast. And I walked out really <laughs> not knowing how to feel about this movie. Like it didn't, it wasn't one of those feel good Christmas comedies they were advertising it as. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't, I remember thinking it wasn't awful, but I was just kind of meh on it. And I don't think I watched it again until two nights ago when I watched it for this recording. And I definitely liked it more the second time. I think knowing what I was getting into helped tempered expectations. But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like, it's okay. It's not my favorite by a long shot, but it's definitely not the worst that we've covered on this show. That's kind of where I feel, where it falls for me right now. What about you, Julia? Um, I, I don't even think I knew this movie existed, and I watched it for the first time today. And I had high hopes because, I mean, a lot of people I like are in this movie, and everybody knows Julia likes a dysfunctional family very much. Um, this did nothing for me, like nothing, really, like at all. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure, we'll break it down when we get in further. Tom, what did you think? I very much have an experience similar to Anthony's. I saw it uh, earlier this year and was not really into it. It, it it's depressing. It's a, it's a really dark movie. I didn't like it that much. Uh, watching it this time, knowing what I was going into having my expectations realigned a little bit. It was better. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it. I do feel like we left one person out we should have talked about, though, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. This movie has by far my favorite payroll accountant, Deborah Burgess. <laughs> 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 when I was watching the movie, I randomly saw that they listed who did their payroll, and I'm like, I'm going to bring that up on our podcast. <laughs> Shout out to Deborah Burgess, who has probably just wanted one person to acknowledge her name in the credits. We should include her name in our uh, in our show notes. <laughs> in our show notes. That way, if she searches herself, she'll find out she was mentioned on here. <laughs> so, I want to start before we even dive into the plot. Why don't we? I think this is something we can all agree on. This movie looked a lot like Christmas. Yes. It sounded a lot like Christmas. The soundtrack is incredible. I mean, the soundtrack's incredible. But it like, opened up with Fleet Foxes, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the atmosphere is awesome. The, I mean, the, not just the house either. Like, no. the hospital, the restaurant, the streets outside, like everything. It's so Oh, Christmas. my God. But the shot, their Christmas tree, like, and Christmas oh. Eve was gorgeous. I couldn't yeah. tear my eyes away from it. And then that even was- that last shot at the end of the dog looking out the window up and down the streets you're getting glimpses of everyone's living room i was like oh my god i can't wait for christmas to get here you you suspected through the movie that the dog was the narrator but when it actually happened i'm like oh this is stupid see (laughs) i mean it's corny but i feel like i read somewhere that the director said like it's the dog that knows the family secrets like in general like a dog just lurking around and I was like I can understand that like you cry to your dog your dog goes up and comforts you it's a dog who would be aware of everyone's feelings so I kind of the dog who's fully cognizant of what's going on in airports and hospitals and everything else too <laughs> I the dog it. no comforting in this movie all he did was eat 
and like Stress eat. and and he would have died too because dogs can't have chocolate and he ate a lot of freaking chocolate yeah he did dogs can have a lot of chocolate before they die that's <laughs> he didn't onions. Even get dog, onions and grapes have a lot higher toxicity for dogs than chocolate he didn't even get sick though yeah. <laughs> my dogs have eaten chocolate and not gotten sick and they're a lot smaller than him Tom, I feel like you want to murder your dogs half the time because you always complain about Buddy. Not my dogs, just Buddy. Just Buddy. Just <laughs> Poor Buddy. So this family is extraordinarily dysfunctional. Everyone coming home for the holidays, as Sam and Charlotte are throwing, has some kind of family secret or some personal problem going on in their lives. Are they, though, or does this just capture the stress that comes out at the holidays? I think it's both. Yeah. It, I, it actually kind of, and I thought of you in watching it, Julia, kind of in, a way, in the way like everyone's coming home with this secret or with this problem that they're trying to hide. It kind of reminded me of a very Brady Christmas. <laughs> very Brady Christmas. I was like, oh, Julia's not going to like that. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. But um, I, I, we should probably just break it down by... <laughs> problem kind of like we did love actually by storyline yep. so julia do you want to talk about what sam and charlotte are going through so matriarch and patriarch of the family uh well the the main characters i guess technically alan arkin's the patriarch of the family but um john goodman and diane keaton so they it, it sounds like they were they were in love for quite some time before kids came along, but that kids came along pretty quickly is kind of the sense you get. They had this deep, passionate love and plans and kids were part of the plans. They did the kid thing, but I mean, like a lot of other stories you hear in real life and then in, in movies, these parents kind of separate, right? And, and it was actually one of my favorite quotes in the movie was when John Goodman kind of outlines how they got so separated through the years. They took steps back and, you know, by the time they, they stopped and looked up, they were just really distant from each other. So he is wanting to take this wild Africa trip that they've talked about. I mean, forever, um, ever since they were hippies, <laughs> cute hippies running in the woods. And she has for some time said, no, she, she can't take the trip because the kids and her kids are all grown. Okay. And, and he, so he resents, well, grown-ish. <laughs> he resents that she's basically placing kids above them. And she resents that she feels like he's asking her to abandon being a mother that she's been for so long and can't separate out of being a woman and a mother anymore. And so they are basically going to announce at this Christmas dinner that they're separating. Well, that was the point of contention between them too, because Diane Keaton didn't want to ruin Christmas and announce it. No, um, the separating wasn't a point of contention. I mean, they don't, neither one of them is happy about it. Let's be clear about that because there is another relationship where they're fine with that situation. But yeah, she didn't want to ruin Christmas Right. He like he feels like it's a lie having this fun Christmas when she's just trying to keep up appearances and give her kids this satisfying Christmas they've always had. Yes, I didn't buy the resolution to their story. How quickly it it came? Did it, didn't it well, feel a little? I would say that, except for the fact they thought they were that that dad was dying. Yeah, it it was rapid. I mean, it was the last 10 minutes of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
And they do, so yeah, they do have a, this resolution at the end of the movie where, you know, as a result of granddad, they're thinking it's, he's going to die. They, they realize what the important things are in life. And <laughs> Diane Keaton <laughs> says, let's take the trip. And then John Goodman's like, we really can't take the trip because we've got to, we got to keep, we got to keep the other people in our family alive for a long time. Yeah, so he's kind of like, yeah, we we maybe do still have some responsibilities, but they leave it at they'll they'll make time for each other. So you can tell that you know the relationship's gonna mend and be fine, and they'll learn each other again, and they end up dancing at the end, which I thought was sweet. I get that though. Yeah, like was- when you're married and you have kids, you have to fo- you have to make that like a priority, right? Yes. Uh, like the, my birthday. Go ahead. I was gonna say my birthday is in two weeks. Christine asked what I wanted, and I was like, you know, all that I want is a night out with you. That's it. Um, because you don't really – that becomes less and less common, right? I'm sure, they, I'm sure that's even magnified when you have 37 kids like Julia. Yeah, that's a lot of kids. How come I've only met four of your 37, Julia? We only care about four of them. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because I felt for the predicament they were in, but – I really don't like Diane Keaton in this movie. Like she's not, so there's neurotic Diane Keaton that she's so good at, but this one didn't feel real to me. You know, it didn't feel like an authentic performance from her. John Goodman's did. I really like John Goodman's performance, but like, I think I was wanting the family stone Diane Keaton and I did not get the family stone Diane Keaton. I thought Diane Keaton's performance is good. I really liked how, so Tom kind of mentioned it earlier or joked about it earlier and then stopped the snorting thing, how she was very in tune with her children. And I bought yeah. that. She was like not in tune with her marriage anymore. Like you felt the distance between her and John Goodman, but yeah. like she, she noticed the nervous snorting of Ed Helms and she how saw right not? through Olivia Wilde's lies. And I felt that was very authentic to me for a mother of children that old having been a mother for that long and i bought that like i guess there wasn't a dying key and you wanted but i thought her performance was authentic as that kind of mother yeah. and woman it's not the diane keaton we wanted it's the diane keaton we deserve that's right <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of this storyline tom i so having watched my parents get a divorce as an adult uh, I think I was a little more sympathetic to it. I was a little closer to home. Mm-hmm. It was sad. But I don't, it was believable, though. I felt, it felt believable. I, I did like the little moments throughout. Like, even though they know, or they think at this time they're getting separated, like when they go sledding, like there's all this, you feel the history between them. Like John Goodman's like, come on, this used to be your favorite thing to do. Like... I liked all of those little moments between them. They felt like a married distance. Except for her continual, except for her continual um, questioning what he remembers, continually denying like whatever he said actually happened. That was really obnoxious. <laughs> Speaking of obnoxious, Tom, do you want to talk about um, Hank's storyline? Ed Helms' Hank. story. You're giving me the worst one. That's awful. No, the worst one is the teenage boy. No, that is the best. That is the best one. I love everything about that. That was terrible. Okay, Tom, do you want to talk about 
the teenage no, boys? I'll, I'll do Ed Helm. So Ed Helm has recently lost his job that he was very passionate about, weirdly passionate about taking people's pictures at Sears or whatever. Is it Sears? It's yeah. Sears. And he's been replaced by a robot camera. He's very passionate about his photos. So passionate that he can't get a job at Staples where he interviews. But he hasn't told people that he lost his job. And it's been, it's been a minute. Um, yeah, 17 interviews in a month. Yeah. If only it were that easy. <laughs> to get 17 interviews in a month. Yeah. He went to Staples. He was applying. I mean, <laughs> true. Okay, true. True. I, I think you could nail seventeen interviews um, <laughs> if you tried. And he doesn't tell anybody what's going on with him. And his wife—they recently separated. They're not together anymore. Alex Borgstein, his dad, never or grandpa, never liked Alex Borgstein. He has a lot to say about her character and how gross she is, and she's pretty disgusting. Mm-hmm. And that's his storyline. It's real, there's not really much depth there. There is some resolution at the end. You got to go all the way through. I mean, it kind of ties in with Alan Arkin. At the end, he at the end he ends up falling for the girl that kissed his dad. Why does he make that face like that was really something after she kisses him? Do you notice that face? That was weird. It was weird because like. Wait, she kissed his dad. Yeah, yeah, when he was on the when he was in the hospital bed. His granddad. His granddad. His granddad. Yeah, same thing. That doesn't make it better. No, no, no. If no, anything, I, it's worse. You hook up with the girl who made out with your grandpa. You were you were thinking John Goodman, and you're like, yeah. what did that? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the family has a weird thing about watching people kiss too. I don't get it. Yes. <laughs> uh, Ed Helm. I'm gonna steal the the teenage son. His son has a crush on this girl who works at the mall, and he's very awkward around her. In this creepy sweet shack, by the way, like creepy. Okay, yeah. but as far as a teenage boy goes, right? <laughs> like I found that I I didn't I found some of that relatable as a teenage boy. Um, I, they the girl finally kisses him, and the most I disgusting kiss the most ever. Kiss. They don't know what they're doing. No, they're definitely not doing something right. Um, it looks violent. Yeah. Uh, just... It looks dangerous. Like I'm surprised even in the filming, nobody chipped a tooth. <laughs> People guess... like watching this girl kiss in films because uh, in Good Boys, she plays another teenager who the little boys are watching make out with next door. So they learn to kiss and uh, she steals their drone and she's kind of the antagonist in that film. She's actually quite good in that film. Oh huh. Looks exactly the same now as she did in this movie. <laughs> well the his little brother likes to watch them make out the mall security cop likes to watch them make out his parents watch him make out there's a scene where he's making out with the girl and his dad's just looking ed helm is just looking and smiling at them which is super weird also okay, just randomly- the, mall, the mall security guard though i did that like was funny the- he thought he was he he thought about breaking them up, but then he remembered all the kisses he had under the mistletoe, and you saw him through the years kissing different women. I thought that was a very sweet moment. I felt like that was the same woman. I think it was the same one. I think it was like his wife. Okay, which is why it I was, thought it was sweet. If it had been all different women, I'd be like, huh. It would have been like super tacky. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> Gross guy. <laughs> but the scene of Ed Helm watching his son make out with that girl just weirded me out. 
Um, she shows up at the hospital because his little brother texted her and she's Jewish. So her family was just going out for Chinese anyway. I, and then I like the they're in the hospital where her, his grandpa's getting treated and or his great grandpa's getting treated and they, they don't know the outcome yet. And they, so he starts making out with a girl that also seemed a little weird. You're making out in a room with your, all of your family, your grandpa's in a hospital bed, great grandpa's in a hospital bed. That's just, yeah. But I guess when you're a dork, like he was, you get a chance to make out, you take what you get. Right. Oh my gosh! I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say when you're a teenage boy and your girls want to make out with you, you take what you can get. It wasn't my experience. <laughs> uh, one day we'll do a, a podcast after dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like the little brother though. <laughs> How? Uh, in his mind, he punched the bully at the mall and let his brother and the girl get away. And the dog was like, the dog's narration was like, and that's a story he told how it went down for years to come. This is what really happened. <laughs> well, I was so glad that was imagination too, because if they tried to pass that off as what really happened, I was going to be like, you know. First of, first of all, if that's what really happened, not only... Like the older brother would have been pissed off and felt humiliated. The younger brother just did that for him. So Olivia Wilde's character, uh, whatever her name is. Eleanor. 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 Uh, She flies home and lands just as a snowstorm snowstorm in this town is getting really bad. So all the other flights are grounded, but she's hanging out at the airport anyway to avoid going home to her family because they always judge her for her lack of relationships or her failed relationships. And currently she's seeing a married doctor at the airport. She meets Joe, who is a military vet who can't fly out due to the snow. And uh, they really hit it off, flirt with one another, you know, they're polar opposites, polar opposites. Absolutely. He's a Republican. <laughs> she likes to point out a million times. Uh, and a faith-based person, of which she is not. Of which she is not. But they really hit it off. She convinces him to come home and pretend to be her boyfriend. So her parents lay off of her at Christmas dinner. And uh, Horribly tacky thing to do. Yeah. I mean, it's a cliche movie trope, right? Absolutely. Cliche is the word cliche it happened happened in a million movies and it'll happen in a million more but it's something that no matter how many times it happens i never believe it Mm -mm. i don't know there's some cliches i've just at this point just shrug this is one of them and what happens at dinner he freaks out a little bit and says that he's engaged to her not just dating her and so they're both like dude get your lies together and then they get in a little blow up, little mini blow up with mom and dad in the other room and he leaves. And so she starts to panic because then she's going to have to tell her parents the truth. And he comes back in and she passes it off like he's smoking. And yep, then for right. them, it's kind of fairly smooth sailing. There's definite chemistry between them. Um, the little kid dangles the mistletoe over their heads at dinner and they kiss. So they've got spark. I felt they had some pretty good chemistry. But there's one moment in the hospital he does leave and she goes because the doctor's yeah, there that she's seeing. Then they go to the hospital. Yeah. The doctor also, while great grandpa's in the hospital, wants to take her to a room and make out while her whole family's there. Yeah, super mm-hmm. skeevy. 
guy, by the way. Well, I think you probably want to do more than make out, but I don't know. And then she realizes she actually isn't a Joe, so she leaves the room and runs into him in the lobby as he was coming back upstairs to come to her. And yay, they're into one another. They kiss, and all of a sudden their fake relationship turns real. It is the most violent run back to the person I love scene in a movie I've ever seen. She went out of her way to hit as many people as she possibly could. Yeah, like it was a contact sport. She had, she had plenty of places she could go. There were other ways. Right, like what? She ended up even knocking somebody off their gurney, didn't she? That's what it looked like. She ended anyway. up like busting a whole thing of white roses. Also, who takes white roses to the hospital? That is not a hospital flower. Yeah, no. Isn't that like a death flower? A wedding? People use white on baskets. I don't know. But anyway, they get together and everything's happy. Even though 10 minutes ago, Diane Keaton was just telling her off for... Saying <laughs> you could do better. But the mom hooking was hooking up with the doctor. Joe was great. Mary you doctor. Know, Joe was so good for you. And mm-hmm. that's when Olivia, Olivia Wilde's like, you don't even know because I made that up. So there. Yes. Because so, I'm not terrible. <laughs> Who wants to talk about Alan Arkin's weird storyline in this film? Bucky's weird storyline. So he's this old man who goes to oh. this diner every day because he is feels this connection and kinship i'll phrase it like that with the young waitress there uh also cliche cliche, but he lends her books and movies and they talk about everything together and uh you know the narration mentions he doesn't even like the food there but he goes to see her but he doesn't know Christmas Eve is her last day. She's moving to Mississippi somewhere because she's she hot like chocolate Mississippi, hot, hot chocolate, chocolate Mississippi because she thinks it's a good place for a waitress. So she has no bigger aspir- aspirations. Dumbest thing I've ever heard. I roll at that moment. I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" <laughs> I saw it on a map when I was a kid, and thought this is a perfect place for a waitress. <laughs> so as a child, these were her life aspirations, y'all. Oh, and so Alan Arkin loses it a little bit because he's like, "Are you he- kidding?" He loses it. Mm-hmm. Um, really out of this guy, I would have stayed a hundred feet away from that. It was like stalker level crazy right there, y'all. Okay, so so I do have to ask because like she does get with Ed Helms at the end, right? Because she Alan Arkin comes back, apologizes to her, invites her to the family dinner. She goes to the hospital when he gets sent to the hospital, and her and Ed Helms kind of hit it off at the end there. Are we supposed to take it that Ed? Alan Arkin's character was just a lonely man, and this was just a friend, scary, friendly, friendly kinship. Or was he re- into her? I think. Hmm, to well, keep because it he is- in that there's that scene where he's arguing with her and sees himself as a younger person. Y'all remember that? Yeah, and he yeah. says when he's saying all the nice things about her, she's brave and courageous and all that stuff. Yeah, and she, or she sees him as a young person. I don't know. It was just weird. Yeah, she sees him as young Bucky. Um, and then you oh, see the part Bucky. when he's sitting at the table and you see his wife, like a flashback type thing going on where it's his wife and then the two girls running around. So, I mean, I just kind of felt like it was him missing his wife and kind of craving Christmas is a time for love. Right. Um, and kind of craving that kinship. It was a little creepy still. Like a little it creepy. was definitely creepy. The storyline made me uncomfortable. The I kiss remember. was what was really creepy, y'all. Yeah, that. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like she should have kissed him on the head or something. Yes, she felt- on top of his perfectly shiny, round, bald yeah. head. 
Yeah. That would have been much more appropriate. It would have been. The kiss on the lips is bizarro. Yeah. <laughs> Don't and like it. Really, June Squibb doesn't have a storyline. She was just an eccentric old aunt they brought to family. I think she has some sort of degenerative mental disorder. Yes. Yeah, definitely. But she didn't really have like a bearing on the plot, I don't feel. She was just... She was no. like verification. When she saw everybody coming together at the end, she's like, all is right in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, I really liked her and John Goodman together. He was like especially sweet to her. Um, he was. And I and, liked moments. And she kind of like helped to emphasize he had these bigger dreams and he was younger too because she kept yes. saying you're gonna make your flight to africa i'm like well that was yep. however many years ago oh how was it oh we didn't go remember them yeah so that was her purpose she was a thorn in his side in a good way she in was the way. nagging at, right where because at first he was like the trip didn't happen and then like the other times she asks he he ends up just it seems like to appease her, but I'm sure it's foreshadowing. He's like, we went, it was great or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, and then the last storyline really is Marissa Tomei's who plays again, plays Emma Charlotte's younger accidental sister. Mm-hmm. He's in a department because store. There was another sister apparently that died. Yes. That died. To yes. to Diane Keaton's struggle as a, as a mom, you know, mm-hmm. so. Right. And Emma is at this department store and shoves earrings into her mouth to steal them because she wanted to get her Diane Keaton a nice gift. And of course... But she didn't want to actually get some money. Yes. Yeah. Well, she was griping about it the whole time. I have to buy her something yeah. and, and she ends up donating it. money to a charity instead of, you know, in my name, instead of buying me something. So I don't know how much money to spend on her. So they have a strained relationship. Yes, I feel like Marissa Tomei is jealous of her and the life she has. And she gets caught stealing these earrings and gets put in the back of this cop car driven by Anthony Mackie. And uh, And he inexplicably opens up to her. Because she says she's a therapist. And uh, he talks about his struggles as a gay man. And... uh, you know, opening up to her makes him feel better, and she he eventually lets her go. And then she goes to the hospital, well, dinner, and then the hospital where she buys Diane Keaton the most expensive thing in the gift shop, which was a shower seat. <laughs> <laughs> and that made me chuckle. That was pretty funny. But yeah, and then at the end, everyone's pro- problems are resolved. Everyone's happy, one big happy family. Alan Arkin's okay. He survived. He's going to be fine. He walks out of his room into the waiting room to see his family dancing and happy and laughing. And the dog is at home waiting for his family to come back and looking at all the other dogs up and down the street and in all the beautiful Christmas-looking houses of the snow. And it's just a beautiful scene to end on and the end. Be better if it weren't the dog talking. I like the dog talking. It'd be better if our third cohort co-host is a dog talking. To- <laughs> oh my gosh! With Steve Martin's voice. With Steve Martin's voice. <laughs> so, Julia, what is it about this dysfunctional family? Was it because it wasn't the Diane Keaton you like? I'm sure that's part of it, um, because she's already starred, 
in a dysfunctional Christmas family movie that basically sets a precedent that will not be reached by any other movie ever. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be covering that movie in a few weeks, but um, not to veer too much into that. Um, so I think my main problem when I think about what I like so much about dysfunctional family movies, right? Like Arthur Christmas's dif- dysfunctional family and the pinnacle dysfunctional family movie, Chris Wald's family Christmas. I, I don't care about these people really. Yeah. Like they're not likable enough to me aside from John Goodman for me to really care what happens to them. And the entire movie is such a cliche, like down to, some of the things that they say and it's so like saccharine like it just doesn't feel real it feels poorly written and fabricated to me see i i would argue i agree with you about the saccharine mm-hmm. part and the cliches and everything but i would argue their problems are probably more real uh, real for a lot of families out there yeah not but i think it falls kind of into the thing with you that you said about a Christmas story, you know, that's probably how post-World War II life was in America. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to watch it, that depressing Christmas life. So I feel like that's might be your thing here too. You don't need to Same. feel these depressing Christmas stories as real as they probably are for a lot of families out there. Well, and it's, or, I mean, there are depressing family stories that I like a lot more than this. And with Christmas story, it was also, I don't like any of these people. I don't feel for them. Yeah. I don't think it's the depressing thing. I think it's the, I don't like them. You didn't like John Goodman either. I like John Goodman. He's the only one I really like in this movie. Um, because he's the only one that has like warmth to him. Fair. Um, of my favorite vignette. I like June squib. She was sweet. She just didn't really serve a purpose, you know? Mm. Um, and then some of the Olivia Wilde plop line, like some of those moments were sweet and funny, but it was just a lot of close-up shots of Olivia Wilde's face. Just a lot. I was, I was fine like that. I figured, she, she, but... She's a cutie <laughs> She's a cutie McCute face for me. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like they had such a good opportunity with all of these great actors that they really missed out so do you think the problem is all of that? So I, the Joe Eleanor storyline was really unbelievable yeah. to me. Beyond unbelievable. Yeah, same. same. Uh, see, but but that the was rest of them, time. oh, it was just so unbelievable. I mean, it just, was, my, oh, I did. I'm not arguing. It wasn't unbelievable. It wasn't believable, but I really liked the chemistry between the two of them. And like Julie just said, I, I found a lot of it. I did feel, feel there were, it was genuinely sweet at parts. So mm-hmm. that was storyline that I liked the most whenever they kept flashing back. Like I liked her a lot more than Ed Helms, for example, in this film. Yeah, Ed Helms just bummed Ed me Helm out. Ed Helms was not doing it for me, y'all. No. He's just bumming me out. And does he just play Andy and everything? Yes. What he does. <laughs> Absolutely what he does. This time, Andy plus snorts. Diane Keaton's face when he snorts. So funny. <laughs> That made me laugh. Like, just the way she heard in on it. <laughs> you know, there was also not enough warmth between the mother and the kid relationship. No warmth between the children. So, like, the kids were irritated by how much the mom smothers them. I don't feel like she smothered them in a warm way that I'm supposed to connect with. Not with any of them. Especially when she's talking about how 
important these are. You know what I mean? Like how important her kids yeah. are to her. Yeah, see, no. That, that rings true to me though. Like not my family, but friends' families and stuff. I've seen that between them and their mothers. Do you want to watch that on a screen or do you want to watch you and your family dynamic on the screen? I'd much prefer my family dynamic. There we go. But I'll watch John Keaton and go, John Good. Diane Keaton and John Goodman, not John Keaton. Not John Keaton. <laughs> not John Keaton. I mean, like yeah. I said, I didn't hate it by any means. I didn't love it by any means. It's just, it's, it's a, it is. Yeah, it that's is. how I feel about it too. Like, I, like, I liked it a lot more this time than I did last It's a lot better than a lot of our bottom stuff. I'll say that. 100%, but that's not really yeah. saying much when you have Kirk Cameron Saving Christmas on there. <laughs> I mean, I would rather watch Diane Keaton and John Goodman talk about separating than watch 30 minutes of Chewbacca and his family talking without subtitles. <sighs> oh, I'm going to try it. <sighs> I can't do it. <laughs> I, tried. I tried for y'all. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, what's funny is I took a lot of writing classes in college and I think I was a freshman or sophomore in some kind of writing class. And we wrote, I don't remember what we were writing. It was fiction. And I wrote about this, this old man sitting on a park bench, feeding the birds, lamenting over his dead wife. And I didn't think it was like awesome, but that was pretty good. It was written well. And my teacher bled all over that paper by the way and the main thing was on the back page she put gag me this is Ooh. the most sugary like saccharine sweet thing i have ever written she's like <laughs> cliche 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 and she was absolutely right so when i saw alan arkin sit down at that table and start and i was like oh man it's my paper it's my paper in print. <laughs> this is cliche. She was not kidding. <laughs> like I knew it then, but I really know it now. And I think like the, the dialogue felt cliche. The, I mean, everything, it was just so cliche. It was too much. Not a fan. So is it safe to assume that you felt it was believable and realistic and just right? No. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm missing something. Okay. I, I, I am glad, though, that we do agree the atmosphere is off the walls in this movie, off the charts yes. in this movie. That the atmosphere is, is the biggest thing, yes. Both scenery and music. Yes. It's definitely a Christmas film. Absolutely. Are there Linus moments? Does this movie pass the Linus test? They're forced sure. and contrived. But they're there. And they don't feel believable. But they're there. I, they're there. I wouldn't say they're forced. I think they're there, though. I mean, like Olivia and Joe, she decides to not cheat on. She decides to not be the mistress of a married man and go with the. That one's a little like meh. <laughs> Perhaps but, you should have figured that out earlier, or maybe. Yeah, yeah right. I don't know. That would have been their yeah. But, or, had, or if it had even felt like, like the nasty kissing with the teenage boy, like he doesn't get one, but the little brother does, right? The little brother does the sacrificial thing by connecting girl and him again. And, so that's fine. And dancing with sad aunt at the end. Yeah. Or sad great aunt, whatever. Aunt Fishy. Sad. No, he danced with. Oh, Marissa Tomei. That's Marissa right. Marissa Tomei. Thank not, you. Yeah. Not great. Right. Got it. 
So do you want to rank this thing? Not really. I don't have any quotes other than the one Tom has said before where they're on the train and he says, and I can't remember, but you've said it before, Tom. Which one? When they're on the train? Plop says it. Well, you may have to just that. You've said it before, but I can't think of what it was now. But yeah. when he said it, I was like, Thomas said that. I did like his whole thing where he talked about like love at first sight and how uh, seeing a woman's <laughs> face, he suddenly believed in love at first sight and then tells Olivia Wilde, and you were standing right next to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very great. That like, Joe was funny, but that. That whole thing about the love at first, where he's talking about where they're making up the story, how they met, and you could tell he's, and you could tell when he's telling it, he's falling in love with her. She's speaking or ever. Yeah. Talk about cliche. That's in like yeah. so many freaking movies, oh TV shows. But yeah. why would he, fa- I don't understand why he'd fall in love with her. I mean, she's not a good person. I like having, she's having an affair. She's sleeping with another woman's husband. Yeah, I don't see it either. I liked her. You would. I'm going to say this movie is middle of the road for me because I, I mean, I like it. It's not going to make my Christmas canon, but I'm going to come in at a five. Wow. So I'm going to come in at a six. Right at 50-50 for me. Good grief. That's high, guys. <laughs> Coming in at a four. I, I guessed it. Yeah. And it's because of the hot ghost of Christmas. This is better than that. So that puts an even five. Yes, sir. Which yes, sir. Yes, sir. Puts it at number. Well, it's Brilliant. actually pretty high on the list. It it puts it at number twenty seven on the list. It oh, is okay. under Disney's Christmas Carol slash The Polar Express, and just above Christmas Every Day. Wow. Wow. That is not on me. That's on you guys. The crazy high rankings. Well, I ranked it in and of itself. Like, this is a movie that I consider, like, about as middle of the road as I can think for me. Julia's not happy with us now, Anthony. No, it's fine. It's, I mean, it is very, I think probably if I watched it again, I would, I would like it more, but I don't. You'd probably have the same story, the same story we did where, like, you would know what you're getting into and. Yes, I would imagine so. Yes. Yeah. I hated it the first first time I watched it. I hated it. Because I do, th- I do think like just seeing the cast when you go in blind, you really are expecting something a lot different. Yes. So I have a question for you. I think it was Tom. Did you say you had a Christmas score playlist? Oh, I do. I do. You do. What? Which Christmas movie scores are on said playlists? Okay, you ready for mine? Yeah, I'm ready for yours. Okay, so the Boston Pops Christmas album is on mine, which is, of course, Home Alone. Conducted by John Williams. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's a few of those. Plus, yeah, Home Alone is on there. Um, Danny Elfman, The Grinch, most recent Grinch, his oh, score that's a great one. for that one. Um, I have Rise of the Guardians because it's an Alexander Desplat. I don't know how to say his name because it's very French and he's one of my favorites. I have the Joyous Noel score on there because hey. it is beautiful, gorgeous. And then other, I've got random other ones. I haven't polished mine off yet. That's just my start. What's yours, Tom? Uh, so I've got Home Alone. I have Elf. I have some of Die Hard. 
uh, let's see what else is here. Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. Polar Express. Oh, yeah. Uh, what else? I need to be writing these down. <laughs> or we just need to make one for an official one for us. Um, White Christmas has to be there. Uh, what else is in here? I'm looking. There's a lot of the same stuff. Um, I've got some of Vince Giraldi, of course. Of course. Uh, New Grinch. I think that covers a lot of it. I have the Santa Claus, Elf, both Home Alone movies, both Grinch movies, A Christmas Carol, the Zimmer, the um, whoever did it. The one who did the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas, Charlie Brown. Yeah, that's about it so far. Nice. I still want to do a showdown on who makes the best Christmas playlist. Does anyone know any new Christmas movies that are coming out this year? Has anything been announced? Oh, yeah. That we haven't already talked about? Albums or movies? Albums that are coming out this year. No. No idea. And keep no pulse on you. I was trying to look earlier, but I couldn't find, like, anything. They should be coming, like, getting announced and coming out. Usually, Uh, I mean, usually they come out around October, November. Right. Uh, let's see. Keith Richards has a new album coming out. Keith Richards. He's got Run Run Rudolph on 12 Inch Vinyl coming out. JD McPherson is doing a new one. The Mavericks have one coming out. Catherine Pinfold, the minus five. <gasps> Engelbert Humperdinck is doing a new one. Whoa. I didn't even know he was still alive. <laughs> Fantasia has one coming out on October 6th. Fantasia? Yeah, the singer. Oh. Asleep like the American at the Wheel. Yeah. Asleep at the Wheel has a Lone Star Christmas night coming out. Jimmy Buffett has a new Christmas album coming out. That's what I see so far. That's a bunch. That is a lot. Well, Something listeners, like if you know of any new Christmas music coming out that Tom didn't just mes- mention, feel free to let us know on our social media pages. Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, Instagram. You can find them all by going to tisthepodcast.com slash insert your social media here. And uh, check out our revamped Tis the Podcast website. It's all up to date and has our list and all our episodes and a page that links you to all of our social medias and a Patreon page and everything. It's And in addition to our social media, we have a Patreon page that you can subscribe to and support us. Uh, This is where we shamelessly beg for money. And we have all new Christmas cards. I am sending Anthony and Julia stickers so that they can help me send them out to our patrons and our reviewers. But you're going to see a new sticker out in the wild soon and some buttons. Awesome. Did you decide on a shirt design? Uh, What I'm doing is I'm working through a print-on-demand company that will let us do a couple different designs. I'm just trying to get it all nailed out. Awesome. I'm so excited. I like it. So y'all have been killing it in the review game lately. Can I just say it it makes us sound like we're gluttons for attention and I don't know, maybe we are, I'm not really sure, but we really, really, really love reading the reviews that have been coming in. And I don't even care that we're probably getting them because we said we would send stickers out to people who submitted them. I don't even care. Um, We love hearing from y'all. 
in our social medias. Um, and we also love hearing from y'all through reviews and kind of the special thing about reviews is they do drive traffic to the podcast. So if you get a second and you are in such a mood, um, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you've already done it there, thank you so much. Um, you can also leave reviews on Facebook. Um, we, we love hearing that you love to listen. Um, it makes us feel really good and, and, Maybe we can get some new Christmas listeners. So Disco 54 is going to be very excited about next week, what we're covering next week on the show, guys. Next week, we are covering the three UK Robbie the Reindeer specials. Hose of Fire, Legend of the Lost Tribe, and Close Encounters of the Herd Kind. Hmm. And the week after that, the end of September already, we are covering the animated All of the Other Reindeer. And we have already gotten a lot of feedback from people who are very excited for that episode because they have very fond memories of that one. Yes. So I'm excited to cover that one. That one, well, I'll talk about my history with that one when we get to that one. But have you guys seen either of those? Either Robbie or Olive? Nope. Well, Olive was done by Matt Groening of The Simpsons. Ooh. I think it's based on a book. Maybe. Maybe I'm making that up. I think it's based on there a song. Is a book. <laughs> there is a book, All of the Other Reindeer. I just don't know what came first. I think the book. Yeah, it's I a think. great book. It's one we read it every Christmas. I will order that probably today now. Thank you, Julia. You're welcome. So you've seen, you have the book, so you already know what the animation style is like. Yes. Okay, I was about to yes. say, like, try to look past the animation style, because I know it's that ugly animation style. But, well, I don't quite know how it moves, though. You right. know what I mean? Like, because I haven't seen it, so I'm curious. But you, lo you know the book, so you know the story. It's a cute story. I do. I love it. So, Tom, do you have other exciting news for us? I do. We are down to 2,400 hours until Christmas. Which is exactly 100 days from today. Oh, that's such a good countdown number. Um, it's also only 14 weeks. That's crazy. Somehow 100 days sounds shorter than 14 weeks to me. Next week we're like in double digits. <laughs> I love oh it. Oh my gosh, that's insane, y'all. All right, okay. do your homework. Watch some good Christmas cartoons, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye buddy.
With scarves of red tied round their throats To keep their little heads from falling in the snow And I turn around and there you go And Michael you would fall and turn 